change into voiceover champions to save the voiceover world. Hello, people, and welcome to the rebirth of the show. This is the Voiceover Champions podcast, and I'm your host, Joshua Seth. Coming back to you after a couple of months break. So I had to take that because I, I wanted to figure out why am I doing this? What is this show about? Who is it for? And now that I think I've got that all figured out, let me share it with you. On this show, I'm going to be interviewing voice actors who are pretty successful in their fields. Now, uh, you may be aware, I was a pretty successful voice actor myself, and I took a break for about 15 years to go on the road with my live stage show. I would come back every year to voice Ty on all the Digimon movies, and my guest today actually played my younger sister, Kari, in the Digimon Try movies. That's right, my guest today is none other than Tara Sands. And I'm going to be introducing her to you in a moment. But first, I uh, just want to give you a few upcoming convention appearances. Upcoming convention appearances include a live show that I'll be doing at Misericordia in Dallas, Pennsylvania on November 4th. Then on November 12th, I'll be signing at Ranger Stop Con in Orlando, Florida, and I'm only going to be there Saturday, so that's a whole weekend con. But if you want to see me, Saturday, November 12th only. And finally, Thanksgiving weekend, I'll be at the Grand Strand Comic Con in Myrtle Beach. So after you're done eating the turkey, getting your full of family time, if you're in the Myrtle Beach area, head on over to the Grand Strand Comic Con. Would love to see you there. Lots happening, lots been going on since my last episode I wanted to share with you guys. First of all, I've started voicing anime again. That's right. Uh, this came out of the blue. Actually, here's how it happened. A bunch of fans kept private messaging me on Twitter and Instagram that Crunchyroll is coming out with the English dub of Wolf's Rain. Now, I recorded Wolf's Rain years ago. It was directed by the wonderful Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. And the cast starred me and Johnny Young Bosch and Crispin Freeman, among others, some pretty big names in that show. And the show's really good. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to post that, that Crunchyroll is releasing the English dub. And and then I started thinking about it. And I thought, you know, I I have never, I don't think ever, posted any of my work as a voice actor, like where you actually hear it on social media. So I put together about a one-minute clip of my role as Hige in Wolf's Reign. And I posted it along with, you know, just a quick shout out that this show's coming out and you should really check it out. And two hours later, I get an email from a studio asking if I would be interested in voicing a recurring character in an anime that they're doing. Now, I can't tell you what it is, NDAs and all that. I got to wait until the studio announces it first. But... Yeah, I'm back. I've been voicing that character first. <laughs> I, because I've been out of voiceovers for so long, I had to tell them, look, I don't have a booth. Now, I have one now, but when they called me a few weeks ago, I was like, I, I don't have a booth. I, I used to always just fly out to Los Angeles every time I needed to voice a new Digimon movie and then go back home to the beach in Florida where I live now. And they said, no worries. We will rent you a recording booth and we'll patch it in 
to where we are. So there were actually two engineers, one on their end and one on mine and the director on the other end. And it went really smooth and it was a lot of fun. It was like riding a bicycle, just beep, 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 go. It was like I, I'd never taken a break and I got such a rush. I said, look, if you guys point me in the right direction, I will put together a recording booth in my home. I got the space, I got the time. So show me what to do and, and I will. And big shout out to engineer Patrick Morphy at Sound Cadence Studios. Thank you, Patrick, for taking the time on a Zoom and a couple of calls there to teach me about sound dampening and bass traps and noise floors and all these technical things that I never had any reason to learn before. And now I am the proud owner of a custom recording booth that I built myself. And the last time we recorded, we actually did the anime recording session from that booth, it was wild, wild. Now, I know I'm pretty late to the game for any voice actors listening to this. You're probably thinking, geez, Joshua, I've had my own booth for years. Yeah, okay, fine, but not me. I've never had reason to do it. This is amazing that it's even possible that I can link up to a recording studio 3,000 miles away in Los Angeles or 1,000 miles away in New York or in Dallas or wherever it happens to be and in real time, watch on the Zoom, on the video, on the monitor in the booth. See, on, on one side of the monitor, there's a script, and on the other side, there is the actual video that's playing that you're dubbing over. And then I got a really cool mic. It's not the one I'm using for the podcast. It's a, it's a Neumann 103, which is a mic that I've used for decades, and, I, and now I've got it, which is just super cool, and it just feels special and legitimate that <laughs> I've got it in this in this booth that I built out of PVC pipe and sound blankets. And long story short, now I've got it and am actually using it and voicing anime from home, which this is the only way I can do it because I got kids. I'm raising kids out here. And as anyone who is a parent knows, they are the priority. But they're in school half a dozen hours a day. So that gives me plenty of time to voice. So I've got questions, lots of questions from my friends in the voiceover industry. I'm really looking forward to doing these interviews. It's going to give you a little peek behind the curtain as to how voice actors do their work, how the business works today, how they got their start, what kind of advice they have for people getting their start, and what kind of advice they have for people wanting to do voiceovers today. And I'm coming at this with total beginner's mind because even though I've done voiceovers for years and years and years, I've also been gone for years and years and years too. So a lot of this stuff's going to be new to me. I'm really looking forward to it. And my first interview on this new version of the show is with none other than Tara Sands. Tara is best known as the voice of Makuba Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh! and Bulbasaur from Pokemon. She actually did over 50 roles on Pokemon. She's also Kari, my little sister, in Digimon Adventure Try. Other anime series she's voiced include Sailor Moon, Naruto, Boruto, Seven Deadly Sins, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and My Hero Academia. She was on camera host of Cartoon Network's Fridays for over 100 episodes where she interviewed dozens of celebrities like Johnny Depp, Robin Williams, Charles Barkley, and George Lucas, and... She's also narrated over 300 audiobooks, 
Very interested to talk with her about that. So let's get to it. Here's my talk with Tara Sands. I feel like when we started, it's a different world than when we started it. Yeah, like you know, what? like we're dinosaurs. Well, right. <laughs> let's let's just acknowledge the fact that the world was different, right? There there was maybe AOL back then, but there wasn't broadband. We couldn't do things remotely. I just posted somebody was asking about my new visual visual reel that I literally posted yesterday. I saw that you did that. I was like, "Oh, do I have to do that?" <laughs> you don't have to cuz you never stopped. Everybody no, knows but- you. No, but they, no, but I feel like, well, we, we should talk about this on the air, but I, I still feel the need to like keep up and, and I don't want to, I want like, (laughs) well, feel like it. I think, I think you're pretty well established, Tara, but, and I was, but I, I literally left LA and left voiceovers 15 years ago to tour my live show. And only now, because it's, it's possible to do remote recording, like what you're doing, what I see in your booth right now, only because of that, am I. Am I getting back into it now? Because I've got kids. I don't want to be on tour when they're in school. I want to be yeah, home yeah. for them. I want to be here for them. And and I, and, well, yeah. and it's possible. Now, I probably should have done it a couple of years ago when the pandemic started. But well, it I, I mean, didn't I'll occur to me. talk about this too, but I took 10 years off of anime. I thought we were all holding out for like a better rate. So I was like. Right. That, yeah, I was like, people are trying to do it. that now. Again, every couple of years, there's like a new research. So I stop doing it i was do and luckily i had commercial stuff and i was doing other stuff but i i was out of the anime loop and i literally to get another anime credit i went and took a class with a with someone who did casting and i felt really? like and and like i was there and again i'm not i don't want to be snobby but like i knew what the terminology meant on the script and people who are in the class like what does it mean if it's up they were like like in the waiting room asking like what is it what does cm mean like for closed mouth or right and i was and luckily i took the class and i did okay and i and they hired me for something but that was how i you know i had to kind of humble myself and be like that's not really any different than how i started i mean i came out with a bfa in film tv and radio from from tish from nyu right right i i had a radio show in one of the top markets in the country and and still i took voiceover classes from Bob Bergen and mm-hmm. Louise Chamis and I went to the old Hanna-Barbera and took classes and I I took classes from people partly to learn but also just to network. Yeah, I mean I think that's such a good lesson like you're never like you, the minute you feel established or snobby or like you're above any of this, you're you're not going to work. <laughs> you have to be right, you have to be willing to learn and and play the play the game of this which I is the my least favorite part of all of it. But that's, the that's, that's part of the... show business. But we can do it virtually. I'm in Florida. You're in L.A. And it's right. happening. It's happening. It's happening. Fingers I, crossed that we, we're able to work for everybody from our homes. I, yeah. feel, I feel closer to people in this business now than I did when I lived in L.A. Because, I mean, you and I were on... Digimon tried together. Right. We played, we and we, played ne- my we never sister. met, probably. Yeah, we never even met. Yeah. Right. Until yeah. a convention. I, I, exactly. And so, because of conventions, which now I'm on that circuit like a lot, like two or three a month. You know, well, listen, when we started, we were we were younger and this was all very exciting but there were no there was no social media there were no conventions we made what we made on these shows there were maybe some small residuals that popped up but they were 
meager. So, you know, it's it's odd to be part of such a big uh, title and titles, actually. And you're on a lot of them, too. too. I mean, it, from the intro, which I recorded before you got on here, like it's practically every big anime, Sailor Moon, Naruto, Boruto, Seven Deadly Sins, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, My Hero Academia, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! And now Digimon. That's like everything. Some I, some I just like went in and worked for an hour. So like, it's nice to have those credits, but again, like you have to make a living. I mean, at the end of the day, we chose a career that we love and I love voiceover and I feel very lucky to do it, but I also have to pay my bills. And these conventions are an, an amazing way to, to get out and meet the fans, but they also are kind of our residuals. I mean, they're sort of- The conventions our, are our residuals that we never got doing anime. And people assume we're rich from these jobs and it's, and I don't want to like burst their, bu you know, but it is odd to, I was just saying this to my therapist. Like it's weird to have a, a, a degree of fame that doesn't come with money because people expect a certain livelihood from, or a certain because, way. Because voice actors are exploited. You. Most voice actors are exploited and especially yep. in anime. And that is why I left because I was yep, me too. the star of the number one Saturday morning cartoon and on a lot of other stuff. And I was making many times more as a pretty good magician. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, now I need to see some tricks. But <laughs> yeah, it's it was an odd thing. I was I would run into, you know, the leads on the show at Pokemon and they'd be running to their temp job. Um, and again, that was normal for us. We all, you know, worked a million jobs. But at a certain you, point, you, you feel like I'm on the number now. one show. You yes. must be doing this full time. And it's because I, it's remote, yeah. right? Yes and no. I, a couple, you know, I started doing this as a teenager, voiceover in general. I was doing commercials. Um, and then I slowly started getting into audiobooks. Um, and there, they didn't produce as many audiobooks then because it was a big production. The old books on tape. I used to yes, ride around tape. LA listening to books on tape. Yeah. It was before that's when they ACX were called and the things that they're doing now. Yeah. Before Audible. I mean, now, then there was a boom. There was a big audiobook boom. And I was luckily already situated with the home studio because audiobooks were, a lot. most of them were remote. They wanted you to have home studio before they were necessary for other types of jobs. So you've had so, a home studio for years. When, when was your first yeah. home studio? Probably 2008-ish. That is I mean, early. it was a hut. It was, I built, I bought those Shoji screens and I, like stapled foam onto them and made a hut out of it. I, it was ridiculous. And I could still hear traffic. I would have to stop for, you know, you, you had to make it. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was not, there was, I mean, there's still nothing glamorous. I'm in a closet, you know, I can, <laughs> that's a closet. I literally was in a, yeah, I was in a session yesterday and I like in my downtime, I was going, Oh, I can throw that out. Like I'm lit I'm looking at my clothes going, what don't I need? What can I, uh, get rid of. <laughs> wow, There's... it looks you, you. It looks very professional, and obviously, a, it works. It works. It, <laughs> but again, it's not. You know, all, my dream is to buy a house and build a beautiful studio with great but, air conditioning in it. Sure. The first That's studio, the, yeah. the first home studio I ever saw was at Lex Lang's house oh. in the in the early two thousands. But he he understands music and audio engineering and. Yeah. Like I come from a theater background. I don't come from an audio engineering background. So I had to learn all this stuff in the last month. I just built a studio. If you have the space, you can build one. I built mine out of P 
PVC pipe and sound blankets so it didn't have to be in a closet. Right. But here's my question. You you can't run air in it while you're recording, right? That's that's my dream is Correct. to have air. You can't run one into a closet either. No. So that's like I've been in beautiful home studios that they've custom built and they have an AC like they have you know, heat and cooling in them. And I'm like, that's the, because for audiobooks, you spend a lot of time. I'm really interested in how you record audiobooks because it seems to me, and as a lover of audiobooks, I, I'm constantly listening to usually Stephen King novels oh, okay. on Audible while I'm doing everything, you know, yeah, yeah. at the gym, at the grocery store, driving around, waiting for my kids in the car line, biking, anything. I'm listening to these audiobooks and I'm amazed at, first of all, how good the quality of the acting is and mm -hmm. how they're able to sustain it over such a long period of time. And it just seems to me like it's much more difficult than voicing anime or animation simply because of the amount of time and consistency that's necessary. It's a different beast. It's a completely, you know, you have to really want to do it. <laughs> Here's the thing, you're listening to Stephen King books. Those are really good books and they take a long time. Now imagine that for every five to 10 books you, you record, one is really good. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I've done terrible books, but I have. Um, and <laughs> And hey, we've done terrible spending, shows too. Some shows I didn't shows. even credit myself on. But you're spending, you know, if it's a 10 hour book, you're spending at least 20 hours in the booth by yourself recording a terrible book and wanting to make fixes and changes that you are not allowed to make. I mean, these mm -hmm. have to be word perfect. It comes back with your pickups. Everything is word perfect. If they, if you take the G off an ING word, in, you know, they're, they're correcting it. It's, you know, even if, unless it's dialect, which is a, little you can have some leeway but you know you're going in and out of the voices um 90 percent of the time i'm engineering myself um, what do you use to engineer it what program i'm using pro tools and you you kind of punch and roll so you're um as, every time you make a mistake you stop roll back punch in mm -hmm. uh it's not fun like i it's, it's, it's a lot rewarding. of work do you, do you have when to read the book first i imagine you have to read ahead to know what you're doing I prep it. I wouldn't. It's different than reading. Um, it's a prep pass kind of um, to see characters look for buzzwords like accent um, because you don't want to get to the end of the book and find out someone has an accent that you have not been giving them for the entire book, which has mm -hmm. happened. Oh, wow. Um, there was one get, book. Do you get where, paid a session fee for all the time you're spending or only the finished hours? Finished hours. And no residuals. Audio but it's all but it's hard. all hard that is a lot of work yeah. it's all union it's how i make my insurance every year um i and i love the industry itself i it's a it's a different group of actors than mm -hmm. than my anime friend i mean some of us overlap um it's people who love literature you know you, it's a it's a different kind of person that navigates themselves towards that career in a lot of ways it's it used to be a much more tight knit group. It's really expanded because of how many audiobooks are produced now. Uh, but I'm very grateful to have that. And again, that's that's really why I can make my living doing this because commercial because audiobooks are all commercial are, are all union uh, and commercials yeah. are who knows when you're going to get one. 
well, and that used to be how I made my living was commercials. So, you know, I think of the big, and I think you're tapping into this too now with getting back into this, you have to adapt. I know so many actors who didn't want to adjust to the new technology or didn't want to learn the new style of, you know, when, when the change came from sounding like an announcer to sounding like a real person, mm -hmm. they, they didn't want to, they were very stuck in their ways and you have to be malleable and you have to be willing to, to keep up with the kids or you're just, they're just going to take your jobs. Keep up, keeping up with the kids these days. You're right. Is, it's, it's get trends. off my lawn. Yeah. Yes, get, get off my lawn. Uh, the, the trends change and they were different mm -hmm. before I got into it as well. Yep. If you'll recall when shows like Digimon came out, of course you didn't work on the original cast, but like that was pretty unusual that we were using our normal voices or just sounding like people essentially. Because before then, I remember when I first went out to L.A., when <laughs> I really kind of got starstruck was when I went to Hanna-Barbera, the old Hanna-Barbera mm. Studios, just down the road from I'm Universal. so jealous. Yeah, and I actually got to see it and see, like, the the cells from Yogi Bear and <sighs> Snagglepuss and stuff like that on the walls, things that I grew up watching. And those were very much characters, characterizations yes, had nothing yeah. to do with what the actual person sounded it's like what today they would call that cartoony that cartoony, that of, cartoony yeah. yeah and and then yeah. it just started to shift in the early 2000s with the advent of anime and now of course that's all you hear yeah it's it's very rare for me to get an audition where it says go be broad <laughs> mm -hmm. you know go big and and they point that out now because that is so different than what they normally want um you know also the tr certain studios really only like to use real kids for real kid voices because th there is a difference there just my, is my um, kids will like to hear that because they have been petitioning me for years data data why don't you get it in, back into voicing the new stuff because everything i did is right because it's before they were born i'm like there's a reason it was before you were born because it's a time-consuming process to raise little humans but what's amazing is how some of these old shows hold up. I mean, you know this too. Like we're going to these conventions and we're hearing like generations sh watching this, our shows, which is so, That's so cool. cool. Yes, yeah, it's Jinx so cool. Omi Coke. <laughs> it yeah, is, it's it really crazy, is. Right. It's, I, so they hold up and there's a reason why. There's a reason why Digimon, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! These shows hold up because the the storylines are good. They're they're ti there's timeless storylines. You know, the friend they're about friendships and they're about growing something. up and mm -hmm. they're about something. Yeah. yeah. They're about something that kids do need, you know, it, it is awesome when a kid says, Oh, I learned about how to lose, you know, from this show. I learned how to be a good friend from this show. Or... I, I'm lucky to represent the crest of courage and that to give people <laughs> courage and hope when they're having difficult times in their life. It sounds corny, yeah. like if I hadn't experienced it over and over at all these conventions. Like, I, yep. I wouldn't think it, but yeah, it's all the time. That's why people get tattoos from these shows, too. Yes, to remind themselves of these lessons. I was at Anime Boston a few years ago. At, God, I don't know anything about football, but the Patriots, that's the team there. A bunch of the I, Patriots I've never have an anime game. club. I, know, I haven't either. Um, I cheerleaded for, for Make football. The I, yeah. I cheerleaded for football, and I still don't know how it's played. But no, no, the, the actual Patriots had an anime club, and they... and. Which is so cool because when we grew up, anime was kind of dorky. The the jocks were not into anime. These guys loved anime so much. These big, burly, tough guys. And they would tell, like, I was talking to one of them about Naruto and the lessons he learned from it. And, the, and they turned into these, like, teddy bears. 
And I was like, how cool that this is, first of all, so mainstream. And especially the guys who you would think would be beating up the anime fans are the ones watching it now. And that they're getting all the important, right. you know. Because the nerds they, they have taken to, over the world. Yeah, but they would watch it while they were training. They would watch it and it would inspire them. And I was like, that is, um, that's awesome. Yeah, what, what we did as, as a niche product 20 years ago is popular culture now. And you walk into any mall anywhere in America yeah. and everybody from little kids up to people our, our age and older are wearing anime-themed shirts yep. and backpacks and the whole thing. It's whole, cool. Whole to nine have yards. Been How about part that? of it? Yeah. We'll, we'll I mean, and I the think football analogies. <laughs> whatever that means. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a football analogy. <laughs> it is. I think it's football. I don't really know. Oh no, nothing about now. Okay, let's get back. Let's get into like your background a little bit here, because like uh, I said, like I I never watched sports because I was a theater kid growing up. Yeah, did, me too. How did you get your me start? Too. Same exact thing. Um, I I mean, I it's so I grew up in New Jersey, right outside Manhattan. And uh, I was in a local what singing exit? competition. What exit, exactly. I can't even remember. Um, 68, maybe? Uh, I was in a local singing competition at the Y and uh, in high school, and a talent agent from, you know, was there. And the first audition wow, they that's, sent me on. That's a real kind of Hollywood story. I right? I've ne never so... heard that actual, I, like Michelle Pfeiffer at the soda fountain being discovered. Totally. So there was a talent agent at the Y. <laughs> Who knew? The y, well, in New, I mean, listen, it was so close to New York that they were actually based, this manager was based in New Jersey. And I went mm. to their office and had a meeting, and she said, let me put you on the phone. Just talk to this person. And it was a, an agent in New York who handled voiceover. And the next couple of days I had, a, I, I didn't know what a voiceover was. Um, I mean, when they, you know, they explained it like, oh, it's like on a commercial when you hear someone talking. Why did they think and, to put uh, you into voiceovers? Were you singing in the talent composition? composition? Yeah, I was, was a singer. Way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, it, and I think also that's what existed. You know, they were sending me on commercials and like TV and radio commercials, mostly sometimes a TV show. But again, it was New York. So the film and TV industry wasn't huge, but so they made their, their bread and butter was uh, commercials. And I went to that first audition. I had to say, so it was for wart cream, uh, which is very wart glamorous. Yeah. Kid? Compound, I think it was compound W and I was a teenager and I had to say like, ew, gross, a wart. And I got the it job. It still plays. Yeah, you would it's, still yeah, get it. It plays in my head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a demo, I think. But I got the job mm -hmm. and I got paid. And my mom was like, are you kidding? And, you know, she's there <laughs> thinking like, okay, this kid can make her own, you know, you know, they're, they're having a kid's expensive. Uh, no, but she, they yeah. were they were so excited and they were very supportive and awesome. And um, that, yeah, that was my first voiceover job. And I loved it. I, I put, you know, I just remember the feeling of putting on the headphones for the first time. And mm -hmm. that felt really cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, this is same. awesome. It's the same. It, 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 even just, just addressing the microphone for yeah. me, like there's something very special about that relationship. I think to me, that's my costume. Like, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, you're acting, you're not in a full costume. You don't have props or a set. Like it's different. I, to me, the headphones and this setting are, that's my costume. That's, that's a my, great way that's to look how at I it. flip. Yeah. yeah. If it, and, that's when it feels like a job. And I have this theory that the voice actors with the greatest longevity are singers. I mean, my background is musical theater. Pretty much yeah. everybody I've interviewed so far is either musical theater or singing or music in some way. Yep. And that's because you. I think not only do you learn to train your voice and learn where it can go, 
but you learn to put some musicality into mm-hmm. speech so that it's not all flat and sounding That's the same. totally, you're totally right. Yep. 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 So now how For did sure. you end up in, in Los Angeles? So you started out in the, on the East coast. Oh yeah. So I was New did, York. did a lot of theater in New York, a lot of like, you know, I did some good theater. I did some like off, 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 Broadway theater. Um, some good stuff and bad stuff. <laughs> like uh, like in Syracuse. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was doing that. Um, and then in 2004, 2005, I got a job. I, I, all I wanted to do was cartoons, but I got a job on, on Cartoon Network hosting on camera, yeah. um, which was, ama- I mean, the best job I've ever had, hands down. So I sort of, we, we shot in Atlanta uh, a couple days a month. And so I sort of had the freedom at that point to, to move wherever I wanted. Um, and I thought, you know, LA, I had tried to live in LA for a couple months without a job and that is not fun. Um, no, LA without LA, a job or without friends no. is not fun. No. So I, I came back to LA with this job, which was a whole different, cause my co-host also lived in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then I stayed, that was about 15 years ago. And, uh, the show lasted like two years and um, yeah, the best, best job ever. Yeah. You, you moved to LA like right around the time I moved out. Because oh, that's I moved out left. in 2006. Yeah. Like right oh, before. That's why we right never, be- okay. It's cool. It's cool that you can say you've had these six, like multiple successful careers. I mean, that's a, that's a real badge of honor. So. I mean, maybe that just means I'm old. No, I've been around. I've I don't know because I, you know, I constantly think, what would I do if I didn't do this? And I, I, I mean, I have like a side jewelry company that I just do for fun, but I, I honestly don't, I'm, that's why I hustle constantly because I, you, I don't got, have any got, other skills. You've got to hustle. Yeah. You know, I was that's, a terrible waitress. It's, it's not, <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad thing to, to be forced to hustle. Because it causes you to have yeah. to keep learning and adapting and growing, growing your skill set, like you said, continuing to take classes and changing your style and so forth. It's it's visceral, keeps you alive. Yeah. That's why I like living in New York City, honestly, is because you, mm-hmm. you're constantly adapting to the changing traffic pat- patterns of humanity that are coming at you from all angles all the time. And you just you just feel very alive as a result. Well, it's, it's a, I think New York forces, and I never thought about this before, and it's going to sound so hokey, it forces you to be present. Because you right. are, you're in, and I never, I never thought about that when I lived there. But oh my God, yeah, of course. Like everything felt very isolating, out. and New York felt very collaborative. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I get that. So now let's fast forward. You're in LA. <laughs> you're doing voiceovers. Okay. Uh huh. I'm talking. Hundreds of audio books, and and you got out of anime, and you then you suddenly got thrust back into it. Was that the point at which you started doing Pokemon? No. So I did Pokemon in New York. So Pokemon oh, was, was, which makes gosh. sense because that's that crew. Okay. So we skipped yeah, over. Yeah. That. Yeah. So I was, so one of my, it was my first anime job. I didn't really know anything about anime. Uh, Pokemon was uh, your again, first was, anime job. Oh yeah. I, I, how lucky was that? Um, I knew nothing about anime. I, I but I had a demo tape and I don't even know who recommended me. I would send my cassette demo tape voiceover demo everywhere I could. It was just a commercial demo. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming it was that a cassette was one tape. Of the, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Put it I in just, the mail. I just yeah. posted that on Twitter, how easy it was to put together the real, the visual real now 
It cost oh. me thousands to make that first demo and put it on a cassette. Talk about yeah. that. Like, how different was it oh. back then? It's completely different. I mean, but we would also pound pavement, and and you know now physically you just send pound an pavement MP- exactly. Yeah. Physically knock on doors. Yeah, I would that's show what up I did. with a box of donuts and my demo tape mm-hmm. with a, a cassette tape, and I could only afford to go to maybe two or three places at a time. Right. Yeah, that's what we did. Like, I would go around New York, you know, and be like, that's a recording studio where there was something, you know, that we got, I would get, I don't even know, I would find listings of studios and I would just go and drop off my demo or put it in the mail. Um, And that, you know, it was an investment, but it paid off and I got work that way. And 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 you got Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember the audition. I, I don't remember anything. I remember the first day of work very vividly. Um, because again, I had, I didn't know what, I didn't know what dubbing was. I didn't, but I got there early cause I'm always early and Veronica Taylor was, was working mm-hmm. when I got there. So I saw this beautiful pregnant Ash, woman dubbing the, Ash. yep. The voice of Ash dubbing this little boy voice. And again, like that, I knew I, like, I used to play around with voices, but it never occurred to me. I could make a living doing little boy voices. Like that didn't even it didn't even occur to me. Like, I, this was, right. like, so eye-opening. You have to see um, it. You have to be exposed yeah. to the possibility to expand your perception of your abilities in that way. I, yeah, I, I get that. And it, it's kind of contracted a little bit in a way, like you were saying before, that a lot of agencies and casting directors want to hire kids to do kid voices or, you know, certain ethnicities perhaps to, to voice those ethnicities. And uh, yeah. 30 years ago when I started – it wasn't even a consideration. It's like, can you do it? Okay, do it. And now, well, it was, of course, now there's a lot more people to draw from. You know, perhaps sure. they didn't even have those options, even if they were looking for them. And and now, but back then, you were rewarded. They just wanted you to do as many voices as possible. So it wasn't even a consideration. Right. How many or voices can you do in these two hours so we don't have to exactly. pay Exactly. It was a money-saving thing. And yeah. that that's all it was. It was never, you know, never felt like a racial issue or, you know, and of course, in retrospect, we can do better. But right. There's it some was just roles about I'm efficiency. Like, oh, I shouldn't yeah. ever oh, mention God. that I did. So embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And it, but it didn't because we voice actors specifically prided themselves on learning accents and dialects and all this right. stuff, which is, yeah. it's kind of a lost art. I think it will become a lost art because of, because of that. Um, I, I was the voice of Outback Steakhouse and I don't even do a great Australian, but I don't, oh, think how that funny. There were, I don't think there were any Australian people, actual people from Australia. <laughs> auditioning so I right, right compared to the other los angelinos you did exactly. a great australian yeah. accent yeah and now yeah. of course today because the voiceover industry has gone global uh, they could yeah. they can find somebody with not only from australia but from a particular city with a particular dialect lo- right. well, known locally only to them wonder, there are great dialect teachers in like some great con- acting conservatories now is are, are people going to shy away from doing that kind of stuff because again, you know, listen, we can, we're allowed, there's things that, that are acceptable for us to do. I just, there's an art form to learning dialects and things like that, that I do think will might get lost in, in for some, and in some ways that's great because they'll be cast authentically, but there is the fun of learning a dialect that, that I, yes, right. Missed. Maybe it'll just be relegated to, to hobbies, to, to actorly hobbies, to do, right. to do voices right. with different dialects and things. <laughs> but you did over 50 different roles on Pokemon. So that must have run the gamut of adults and kids and men and women and 
and and just all kinds of things. <laughs> when, I, when I was there, they just whatever I could get done, that got done. Um, but you have to remember. So this is when I started working on Digimon a few years ago, and I dubbed that first uh, adventure try. I said, "Wait, the Digimon talk?" Because the you've never seen don't... the show, right? <laughs> no, but the Pokemon just say their own name. So I was like. Oh, they talk. Yeah, that's whenever pe people get into this uh, Digimon versus Pokemon. I'm like, well, it's it's hardly it's comparable. It's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that they yeah, came I, out around the same time. Oh, you know what? For the social media, we should do something in the voices. Okay. We should. Hey, I'm Joshua Seth, voice of Ty on Digimon. Bulbasaur, Sarpoba. Bulbasaur, Sarpoba. <laughs> I meant for you to do Kari. I know, but I wanted to have a Digimon Pokemon. <laughs> oh, a Digimon Pokemon battle, death battle. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's yeah. if it, Bulbasaur was was your, you know, your spirit animal. It, it, um, is, okay, I got, see, <laughs> I've never watched go, Pokemon. Exactly. So there you, there's your lesson. <laughs> right. thank, I'll do. Thank you for I'll the lesson. I'll try to do Kari now. I'm trying to remember what Kari would say. Yeah. Okay, right. we could try it Ka again. Uh, Kari, do you want to come to the soccer game? Yeah, but is uh, TK going to be there? No, TK's not in this episode. Then <laughs> <So, laughs> no. <laughs> so you took over for the, the lovely Laura Jill Miller. And I remember when, I, so I flew out to Los Angeles to record all the Digimon Tri movies and Digimon Kazuna mm -hmm. because it didn't even occur to me that I could have a home studio. And I don't really think the actual studio would have wanted me to do that at that time. Right. It wasn't really, remote recording was not acceptable for something like yeah. anime yeah, yeah. back then. And, and we're only talking a few years ago, of course. But, <laughs> it's crazy, right? But I actually had lunch with Laura Jill Miller the first day that I recorded Digimon Try to make sure you know everything was okay yeah. with her not doing it. And that was her choice to not do yeah. it. So for anybody wondering, it's not like you took over some legacy role and, and shut her out like she turned it down well, we so always ask i mean happens. listen i you know there's a lot of a lot of stuff in the media right now about people taking over voice acting roles and if i have an audition for an existing character the first thing i i write back to whoever's sending me the audition is um can i get is there a story here do i you know is are they in the middle of negotiations because if they are that's i'm not very auditioning. smart yeah, that's you have to. No, no, and I because I would it's what I would want someone to do for me. Um, so you know, do unto others, I guess. But yeah, so I, I absolutely, you know, ask those questions. And I, I, you know, I think the the nice part about it was that t because of what Digimon Adventure Try was, I didn't have to do a voice match because these characters had aged. So mm -hmm. I didn't have the pressure of being compared to to the voice at the same age which right. is, is a lot trickier. It's, yeah. your, it's your own thing. Yeah, but it also it always feels weird. I mean, it, you know, that, that stuff always gives me a stomach ache because you'd never want to be the, you know, be the bad guy. Well, I mean, look, I'll address it right here. Is, uh, like, I've been recast at now as Ty. I did Ty for over 20 years, from 1999 yeah. to this year, to 2020. And yeah. Zeno Robinson is doing it now. And there's a whole new cast. Do they, yeah. The studio recast every role every, every, yeah, that's every what I've voice heard actor so yeah it's I don't a clean it slate I mean, yeah yeah they well, want a, you they know, want with, a new sound i don't know if you know this with pokemon but we you know we i did the first eight seasons and um then the show changed hands and we were all recast 
And that's and it was heartbreaking. And I had already mm. moved to Los Angeles, so I wasn't as involved in, in what happened. And, um, you know, there were different people in charge then. It wasn't handled the best way. And it was heartbreaking. People were it was, you know, and now I'm in the new cast. I joined in season 23. And back. it's again, it's it's not about I came back in different roles. I, you know, people mm -hmm. play my roles now. Um, and sometimes I'm in scenes with people who are playing my old roles. And it's well, we don't own the characters. We don't own really them. And it comes down to yeah, they're associated with us because of our voice and our personality. But we don't own. Yeah. Them. And my whole thing is it's like you can't blame the actors for this. This is business. This right. is this is these are issues that we are not involved in. You just hope that things are handled tactfully. That's all you hope. And and with the actors, they certainly were. The actors on the news, I, you know, are great. I, I got to say with, with Digimon being recast, it was handled great because Jamie Simone, who's the head of that studio, called me on the phone months before it was announced and said that this would be happening and it was above his pay grade. And it was like this yes, was a decision yeah. that was being made from the top on down and just want yeah. to let me know that it wasn't personal and like that never happens. And I really appreciated it because you yeah. know, we have egos, you know, we're, of we're worse. We, we feel connected to these roles that we play for years. And, and luckily though, the fans, the fans will always remember us as yeah. the well, progenitor listen, of the role. Yeah. The, being the OG is always OG. fun. And yes. I'll, and I'll be honest, I, I can't say much about the new Digimon, but I did get an audition for it. And I, as as soon as I did, I wrote back and said, what's the deal? And I was told that the actors were all being told. And I then felt comfortable. But again, you just hope that everyone is that human, you know, and I, and does ask those questions. It, it doesn't hurt. And it's the good yeah. way to be. And sometimes it takes a certain the, yeah. level of maturity and confidence in your own skills to even ask because you might get an answer that you don't want to hear. And then what do you do? Yeah, so well, that, I, I just give you a lot of credit for asking. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, I just left a show because they wanted to pay me less for season two than season one. I can't talk about what it is, but I am waiting sometime soon. I'm sure I'm going to start getting emails from people who are getting these auditions mm -hmm. and I wish them well. I, I'll, I will be honest with them about what happened. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's part of the business that the studios will try to make a profit at the expense of the actors. And because we're voiceover actors, it's easy to replace us because nobody sees the face changing. And yeah. if we were on camera actors, it would be a lot t tougher for them yeah. to get away with that. But it's the nature of the business. And it's but it's all over. You know, I was just, I'm listening to a podcast that's fly in the wall with David Spade mm -hmm. and Dana. That's Carvey. a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And Ellen Clegghorn is on. And, you know, these got the, the men starting out made like 4500 or something an episode and she was paid $200 or something. I mean, it, what? the discrepancy is the discrepancy is insane. And she was paid scale at the time or for whatever mm. it was. Um, so it's it is everywhere because, again, we're not dentists. We're not like this is a, a weird business where a lot of times people think we should be so grateful to just have our job. Because, Dentists. wow, you, you get a creative job. You know, how lucky are you? You're creative for a living. But Well, that is true. That is true. But it's a lot but more work than they realize. You know what pisses me yeah. off? It's, you know what really does annoy me is like on Twitter, again with the, tw again with the Twitter. Twitter, is when people say, oh, she made $4,000 voicing a video game. That sounds like a lot to me for, you know, 10 hours of work, 20 hours, 40 hours or whatever it is. No, it's not a lot. First of all, they're making millions and millions and, you know, billions sometimes of dollars off yeah. of this. Secondly, you're going to forever be associated with that. So it limits what you can do with your voice elsewhere. Yep. 
Thirdly, mm-hmm. how many years of effort did it take that actor or actress? Yeah, how to many hours of, of being able to do that? Right. Yeah, I consider auditions paid. my job. These are audition hours are my unpaid work and tra- hours and training. Training, all yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. And years again, and yes, and and yes, the final payday often does sound like a lot. Um, but you, but they're not considering all of what you just said. So it's, it's, it's hard to watch the battle and not chime in on everything when I, and I have There's no point to chiming in generally because you're not going to change anybody's mind. Some people revel in their ignorance and just want to to maintain their opinion. Well, and also we don't know the full story, you know, like again. That's true too. That's absolutely true. A lot of people. We're not even a fly on the wall. We're a fly on a wall down the street. We're so removed. We're so, so, so removed. So I, it breaks my heart because I see that the people involved are struggling and I, I don't want them to, but I also, again, we're never, you know, unless we were in the room and on those email chains, we're, we, we can't know. You do the best you do the best you can with the information that you have. Try. Yeah. And try to wish everybody well, cause it's a, it's a tough business and anybody that's been in it for any length of time you know, is a remarkable person as far as I'm concerned because they've yeah. been able to exist in a highly competitive field, it, giving of themselves creatively with an open heart, which is what it really requires, you know, to, to, to stay present, to stay honest, yeah. to stay emotionally available, you know, even when things don't go your way in life, in and outside of the business, to, to maintain those characteristics in your own personality takes a very special person. That's why I love voice actors. Yeah. I find them to be very creative and very humble, uh, just as a group, just very kind, generous, talented people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. More so than on camera, because we don't have the benefit of, of ego. Ego can't uh, enter into it. Well, it's funny, like I, when I was doing on camera, you'd walk into a room just filled with people who looked like you. And there was something just soul crushing about that. But, you know, mm-hmm. like there's some and it it, breed, it would breed more competitiveness than I, I never went you know, the on camera route to experience uh, that. I, I miss being on set and I miss certain things about it, but I don't miss how competitive it felt. And I, I feel like now, I, like I got an audition the other day from my agent and I said, oh, you know who would be great for this? <laughs> and I think he was really taken aback, but that's that's that, how- that, that you suggested someone else. Yeah, but I was like, this isn't my job. Like I'll read for it, but this is not mm. my job. Yeah, it's um, good to know your strengths and your limitations. Yeah, but I, I find that among voice actors that, that we're more uh, likely to, to root each other on and cheer for each other. It's than, a good community. And other areas yeah. of the business. Yeah, yeah, I've missed you guys. I've, I've, I've missed you guys. I've missed being a, a part of it. And and now because of this podcast, you know, I'm going to get to reconnect with people. I love and, that. And the and the, and the the cons, too, hanging out with other voices. Yeah. Like, you and I are doing a con. Let's see. We're going to be at a convention together, I think, in 2023. Which that I sounds have, so far away, but it's not. not. It's not that far away anymore. So you've had this amazing career with ups and downs and changes from coast to coast and in-person recording to remote recording. And the business has changed a lot just in the last few years. So what advice do you have for people wanting to get into the voice acting business now? So uh, like, as we said before, it's, it's completely different. Uh, you probably aren't going to go to the Y and sing a song and <laughs> meet a manager. Um, I think that's just you. It's just me. <laughs> Um, but 
you got for people starting today, there is just so much information that's so easy for you to acquire. I mean, literally, I always send people to D. Bradley Baker's website. I think it's mm. I want to be a voice actor.com. But if you just Google Yeah, that that's got a lot of information on it's it. And fantastic. He's a good guy. Yeah. And I mean, I get asked questions that are easy to Google. And for, to me, you know, like someone's like, how do I get started being an audiobook narrator? Well, there's an amazing site called the Narrator Roadmap or something. But if I if that person had just Googled it, they would have found it. And I would have responded better to a much more specific question. Like if someone I, writes to I, me and said, I, will, I did all this research. Yeah, go on. Go I, on I will tell you, though, that when they do all that research, they get a lot of information, too much information. It's information overwhelm. Some of it's contradictory. You don't know what to trust. If you have... 10 different sites that are telling you how to do audiobooks and half a dozen different podcasts like which one do you prioritize yeah, yeah. You the people who are working you know right. if someone says to me i want to take a class and it's someone who is you know very young and really hasn't i'd say no take a class with someone who has done this for a long time or someone who can actually cast you or someone whose work you love i mean that that has a long track record i i after all these people have asked me to teach, I do not feel qualified to teach. I just hmm. don't. I I, I, I enjoy think... I enjoy teaching, but I only teach the acting side because my business my my background is yeah as a stage actor and theater like that act voice acting is acting and so you know what I learned in, in theater training and on the stage and in singing you know I'm able to translate to to teaching, but I don't teach everything about voice acting about right i don't teach everything about voiceovers just the acting part well here's my question then because how much of it do you think is natural ability and how much can be taught because that, the people and that's the million dollar question because yeah. i don't want to encourage people to take classes if they don't have any natural ability i don't think it's fair to do to them like there is an amount of natural ability that j you just have to have um Certainly, I know people who but there are people, teaching. There are people who have, a, you know, some success in the arts, voice acting and otherwise, that are just maybe moderately talented, but they're very good in other areas. They have very good people skills or very good right. marketing skills. That's a that's a good point. It's not yep, all that's... about how talented you are. And you know, conversely, I'm sure we both know people that are super talented that don't work. Because, because they can't get the business side of it together. Because they're hard to get along with, for instance. Oh, you know, or, or, oh they're, well, or they're unreliable. <laughs> Yes, that's a good point. There's more. It's, there's more to it than than just how good are we on the mic. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I always encourage studying, of course, but there also is something to be said for this raw ability as well. There's there's definitely people have that too, and I never want to discredit that. Um, especially people like I can't do impressions or any of that stuff. But those people mm. have this. Uh, they're born with this ear that you you can't teach. That that is just that's something that these people are magical and born with. Sure, there's a, there's there's a, an element of talent that is involved. Absolutely, I just think that it can be brought out of people. I'll give you an example. Yes, My, you can hone it. Yeah, you for can sure. Hone it. So yeah. I was an okay singer. I wasn't great. I actually became a much better singer during the pandemic because my girlfriend and I, we've been together about two and a half years now, but we started dating a month into the pandemic oh, and gosh. there was no, nowhere I could take her, but it turns out we both love karaoke. So we would sing karaoke every night. And oh, we, how cute. We, we take it seriously, we still do it. And, <laughs> I love and, it. And we're getting the best out of each other. And I'm a much better singer now than I was two years ago, 
just because I had somebody to do it with, kind of having like yeah. a workout partner, right? Mm -hmm. And and so th there's something to be said for that as well. Like I was an okay singer, right. and now I'm a a, a little bit better. <laughs> I'm not well, great. It's, it's the ten, it's the ten thousand hour rule. You know it, what I mean? Yeah, like it, yeah. And you you work hard at something, you're gonna get better. You might not be professional you, level, but you're gonna you, get better. But you'll get better faster if you have somebody with an ear to well, that's to fair. bounce it off of. That's fair. Right. Well, I guess like, yeah. To give you to, to give that. you feedback, to give you professional feedback, that sort of thing. All right. Now we're winding winding down on the interview here. Okay. So let me. We're going to get to, oh, and now we come to questions from the fans. So, so. Let me, can I guess what they are? Because I can usually guess. No, guess what those questions are. Yeah. What was your favorite role to play? Why? Yes. <laughs> There's always that. That's always there. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to refresh it so I can see I'm a how psychic. on point you are with all. So, okay. So let's start there. So question from the, so you're the fan of yourself and you're asking, <laughs> what was your favorite role to play? We should all be our own uh, uh, number one fans. Yes. What was your favorite question. role to play? This question's so unfair. You asked it. I no, I was guessing that it was asked, but <laughs> actually, but it was asked. asked. I, Irene Busey, Irene Busey on Facebook asks, which Aww. character was your favorite to play? Okay, Irene. Well, I I don't want to totally disappoint you, but it's I just feel so bad because we're so we get attached to these characters, and then when I answer one, I start feeling bad for the other. For one. the other ones, yeah, like they're real, um, like they're real. People. So I usually go like old school, new school. Mm -hmm. You know, like back in the day, if like you were going Pokemon, like my some of my favorites were like Richie and Bulbasaur, obviously because you know he's number one and he's the cutest. Um, like recent roles, I really loved um, Biscuit on Hunter Hunter. Um, curious on my hero academia even though she she didn't do very much but that was really fun <laughs> okay. ruby and rainbow high see i can't give you we, one we I, got I, several <sighs> but we got your top three that's pretty okay, good let's go with that how about patrick on twitter is asking did working with four did working with four kids help your career Oh, of course. Um, they were the studio yeah. behind Pokemon. They were the yeah. So, so in New York, if you were working in dubbing those those days, the big places to work were for kids and Central Park Media. And I would not. I don't think I'd have a career if it wasn't for those guys. I, you know, again, we were very we were limited in what kind of anime or animation we could do in New York. So I'm very very grateful to the. I was on the job training. Um, I mm -hmm. I never. Back in those days, there wasn't a cartoon class in New York to take. So I learned what I could and could not do in the studio. You know, if did they you, said, yeah, I had no did idea. Did you work what with Dan do. Green back then? Of course I did. Yeah, the I best. He I actually directed him. some stuff. Yeah, he yeah. he was great. He's he's one of my got, favorite to, humans got, in the world. Me too. I got to, and I, I say that not having not talked to him for over a decade, but he and I spent a week together after doing Comic Cons in Australia and oh. New Zealand doing a, a, a live, was it like a like a, a live action reality show? I guess it was a reality show. The superheroes. Oh it was the superheroes against the Kiwi Kids, and and he and I and That's I, I can't so remember cool. who else was on. Oh, we sheared sheep. We went bungee jumping together. We saw penguins. We. Did I need footage of this show. Me too. I've never seen it because it was before YouTube. That's Maybe he has hilarious. It. So, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, somebody yeah, we reach had a out listener. to Dan Green and, and get him on we this were, show and we'll find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll do it. Um, we were very much like an ensemble, though. There were probably 
less than 30 of us who did every dubbed show in New York at that time. <laughs> like wow, it was a very not a small big group. group. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. This comes to us from Cedric on Twitter. Okay. How often are you confused with Tara Strong? Oh, the two all the times. Yeah. yeah. There. Well, there's also Tara Platt. Um, oh. We weren't. We're once sent each other's checks, Tara Platt and I, by accident. Mm. Um, but we, you know, luckily cleared it up. Uh, right. Yeah. We listen. I always say, if I'm going to get confused for for somebody, that's a great person to be confused with. Sure. Like it's, you know, so. It's it happens a lot. It better to be know? confused with a, a, a super talented, famous exactly. voice actress than like, oh, I don't know, serial killer. I mean, the funny thing is, is even when I was working on camera, it would happen, um, which was so weird to me. Um, yeah, I, I always say like Tara Sands disappointing fans daily. <laughs> um, but but honestly, like there there are much worse things to to. You know, I know that there are actors with big egos who would probably be very upset about that. I, I choose to not waste time being upset about that and just embracing that she's a crazy talented person who I've met and she's awesome and helps if you're friends. Yeah, yeah I, but and also that she's insanely talented. You know, when they say, are you Tara Strong? I say, I wish I was. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, well, I, I like you being you, Tara <laughs> Sands. You. And where can people find Tara Sands, where would you like them to find you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Tara Sands LA, which is so boring. Um, is and then I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm doing the co whole convention circuit. So it's nice that I can meet meet y'all in person now. And I hope, hopefully we'll have some convention together yeah, soon. Yeah, you so. and I will have some conventions coming up in 2023. Woo woo. So this has been a great talk. Are we good? You good with it? <laughs> I'm good. You're good. I'm good. All right. Thanks. I don't know what I said. Thanks for okay. taking the time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about getting into voice acting yourself? If so, check out my free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com and become a voiceover champion.